Hey everybody, welcome to episode 83 of the Masterclass. As always, I am still Cam and he is still Dave, but most importantly, we are still very excited to be here with you. What's up, Dave? Yeah, we are excited to be here with you. Um, just always look forward to our time together and get an opportunity to uh, discuss some scripture. Indeed. Now, before we dive in, mm-hmm. I want to bug our listeners one more time about our Patreon page. Just real quick, patreon.com slash supermegacorp. If you want to give us a dollar for Christmas, that'd be great. I feel really weird. I'm not begging for money. We don't need the money. No. But it sure would help make Dad College our new show coming at some point in the future, uh, a little easier to pull off. Um, so if you like what we've been doing for the past 82 episodes and um, you want to help us out going forward, we'd really appreciate it. If not, guess what? You can still listen. All of our stuff will still continue to be free of cost and ad free forever. Um, so yeah, that's all. We don't need to talk about it anymore. Go check it out. If you're interested, there's a link in the show notes. If not, we're going to continue with the show now. Awesome. Um, we're at we're at three weeks of baby now, Dave. How's that? Going? As well, tomorrow. Tomorrow will be three weeks. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So fast. Yes. I mean, she looks more like a human now. Her eyes are open a lot more. She's a lot louder screaming. <laughs> uh, but it's. Yeah, if, I mean, you think about it like, oh, three weeks is not a long time at all feels like we were in the hospital forever ago, but at the same time, you're like, how is, how is that happening? Mm-hmm. And so now you get everyone who, you know, who has kids that are your age, like, oh, it goes by so fast. I'm like, how? And now I'm like, oh, I have like a fraction of an idea, but, um, you know, it's, it's different. It goes by quick, but I'm kind of like, I'm okay with that. <laughs> you know, like, I, I was not a big... Oh, got to cherish every, you know, I did, but I don't know. Yeah. It's just, I'm, I'm just excited for sleeping through the night. And my wife has been very gracious to me on work nights, unless the world is ending, she lets me sleep. That's nice. Um, but we also try and get the feedings down so that she can go to bed around nine and I stay up with the kid until midnight or one do a feeding then and then that way there's only really one feeding in between then and waking up so i get like six or seven hours which is i call that a win with a three-week-old <laughs> yes uh, but it's it is an interesting uh it's an interesting thing having a kid it is like i know i think we talked about last week how it just all just kind of felt normal was that did we talk about that here? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's oh. here or not. I don't remember. And well, thanks, Dave. Jeez. <laughs> um, no, but just like this whole the concept that like you have this little ch- this little person that can do nothing for themselves other than like poke themselves in the eye with their hands because they can't control them yet, and they just like send you home from the hospital. <laughs> Good luck, you know, little pat on the back, and it's. It is very, very uh, interesting, and it's amazing how unprepared you feel, and then you realize, like, that you can actually do it. Yeah. I mean, it's like people tell you all these stories, and you get home, and you're like, okay, feed it, let it sleep, and comfort it. You're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. So it's 
I don't know. I think it'll be a lot different once she starts talking and her personality comes through and she starts telling oh, me yeah. no, <laughs> you know, and then I have to break her. But I, I, I'm just now reminded of 20, almost exactly 20 years ago. It was Christmas uh, when Caroline was a newborn. We were in a one bedroom apartment with her and she had been sleeping with us in a bassinet in the bedroom. We were making the transition to her sleeping away from us kind of a thing. And so we were sleeping in the living room on our hide a bed sofa and she was in the bedroom in the bassinet and uh <laughs> and this is just totally random and has no words of wisdom to it, but in the middle of the night the Christmas tree fell on Melissa and I on the hide bed. <laughs> Oh, no. And it was a real Christmas tree. Oh, gee. oh and it gosh. was it was like way too big for the apartment kind of a thing. Oh, we you went for it, didn't you, Dave? Overzealous, yes. Oh boy. So in the middle of the night, uh, I'm fighting this <laughs> stupid Christmas tree, trying to get it to stand up. Well, in addition to being in a one bedroom apartment, we were on the second floor. Oh no. So I had reached the end of my rope, like sleep deprived. We were sleeping in the other room. To get more sleep, like uh-huh. we wouldn't hear every little thing that she did. And yeah. Then the Christmas tree falls on us. And so uh, I took the Christmas tree, threw it off the balcony, <laughs> out into the back. Oh, my and gosh. And my <laughs> wife heard me use the F word for the first time in our marriage. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> wow. It took that long, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good for so. you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. I can't imagine waking up with the Christmas tree and like that would be so startling and so dis disorienting. Oh, I, it, it, like I'm, it's I'm cracking myself, up, <laughs> and it's not nearly as funny to anybody else me. But I mean, yeah, it just was truly just that. I am so tired. I'm just ah, uh, and the freaking. Christmas tree fell on us, and like I threw it off the second floor balcony. So the, the people below us the next morning, I hate Christmas with our Christmas tree on the ground outside their oh, apartment. Man. So, how long did you find uh, Christmas tree needles for after that in your blankets and such? Oh, forever, I guess. Yeah, that's what. <laughs> All right. So if you hate Christmas, email Dave. You guys can join a club together. Well, I love Christmas. It's just I don't like Christmas trees in my bed. Yeah, well, that's a fair point. I will I will grant you that that's not where they belong. Yeah. Unless they're on your pajamas. True. Huh. That was fun. <laughs> I'm picturing you outside in like your undershirt and boxer with the tree over here going and like like some weird strongman competition. That's just exactly hurling it. What it was. Yeah. Your name is Kira Kasvaka Garden. You just this tree's made out of lead. We right. were in Minnesota, so I, I recall Oh, sorry, you were in like a full onesie and boots and a flappy oh, no, hat. No. Yeah. <laughs> but there was I'm pretty sure there was snow on the ground, so Did it did it land? Upright, or did it land on its side? It landed on its side. So, oh, that's yeah. disappointing. Yeah. Giant lawn dart. Just... <sighs> well, <laughs> that was unexpected. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to, uh, I think, just jump into Scripture uh, okay. right away because we have a, um, I say it's long only because we only usually cover maybe like, you know, two to seven verses. 
it's really not that long in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. But for our, our purposes, it, it is a longer chunk of text. So uh, we're just going to jump in, and I think we'll just roll. What do you say? Sounds good. All right, so Matthew 23, we're going to go verses 13 through, I think, 36. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte, and when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Oh, snap. Woe to you, blind guides who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swells by, swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. (laughs) Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, if we had Lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus, you witness against yourself that you are sons of those who murder the prophets. Fill up, then, the measure of your fathers, you serpents, you brood of vipers. How are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, to the son of uh, Barakiah, 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 Barack Obama, (laughs) Barack Obama, whom you murder between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. All right. Oof. Take a deep breath. Get a drink of water. Yeah, no kidding. So I did just recently hear this, and I can't remember what book I was listening to. When I, I think it was probably Dallas Willard, um, Divine Conspiracy. That term hypocrites, Jesus is kind of the first one to use that word. How Shakespearean of him. And, and, and for us to use it today, yeah. So I, I did not know that. I, I'm, I, I want to go back and, and confirm that, but I'm pretty sure that that's what uh, 
Dallas Willard just said in Divine Conspiracy is that that word and the way we even use it today originates with Jesus. So huh. I can confirm that. We can confirm that. Very cool. So yeah, uh, that term hypocrite, definitely a theme here in what you read. Yes. Um, almost a, a recurring refrain in his barrage of... The scribes and the Pharisees. Uh, yeah, his barrage of telling them every single way that they are uh, doing it wrong. And, you know, I think when you think of Jesus getting angry or getting um, uh, kind of like that righteous, zealous standing up, you think of like him making the uh, the whip and, and clearing the temple and flipping the tables and everything. You don't necessarily think about this passage. At least I don't. No, I don't want to put words in anyone's, you know, mouths or though. brains. But this, for me, is not the first... Um, thing I think about when I think of Jesus getting, you know, hulked up, as it were. Yeah. And uh, now I'm picturing Jesus in a Hulkamania bandana, and <laughs> that's totally a T-shirt I want. Um, anyways, I mean, he is just giving it to them here, like left and right, just, I mean, jab, 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 hooked. I mean, he's just coming at him with the woe to you, which is a thing that they would know mm-hmm. and calling them hypocrites, which if he is the first one to use that term, that definitely got their attention because they have to figure out um, probably what exactly he means by it. Um, and I feel like I'm assuming you've heard this in your line of work. When people get truly angry, their ability to string together n- new forms of cuss words is uh-huh. impressive. Yeah. And um, when when you hear someone uh, <laughs> string together an insult that you've never heard before because that, that's how angry they are, that gets your attention. Yeah. Um, and I, I can only imagine that this woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites refrain was consistently... Uh, Bringing these people to um, probably anger would be my guess. Like, who does this, uh, excuse me? Who is, I mean, especially because he just talked about them not being, not calling themselves rabbis because there's only one true rabbi. And he's he's calling these, these people to the carpet. And let me try and make some, some semblance of sense out of this. But his consistent and uh, almost like regular rhythm of attack here. Woe to you, you hypocrites, here's why. Woe to you, you hypocrites, here's another reason. Here's another reason. Here's another reason. Here's another reason. Here's an- and each reason that he gives is just another glimpse into the hollow, fake, self-righteous uh, lives that they're living. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you know, one or two shots they can probably handle without getting too flustered, but this is, uh, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, woe to you hypocrites. And each of those is like mm-hmm. increasingly more brutal. Yeah. Yep. And I just, this gets me pumped up, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, and the word is derived from the Greek term for actor, literally one who wears a mask. And Jesus was the first one to use that as an actual sort of like, not just an actor who wears a mask, but it's, yeah, it's a sin, yeah. So... What's that Greek word just for the show notes? Uh, you, have, you can butcher the pronunciation. That's fine. No, I won't. I, just, I won't judge you. I closed the window that I had on it. <laughs> yeah, I don't have it. Sorry. No, that's all right. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a funny word for it to be, but I can't think of one. <laughs> all right. So, first woe. Says you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces for you either enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Oh, I missed one. Here's another one. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you travel across the sea and land to make a single proselyte. What's a proselyte, Dave? Uh, it is a new convert, uh, somebody that comes to a new belief. Um, so yeah, I think it's a. Recent fancy. recent conversion, usually. Yeah. A fancy word for a, a noob. <laughs> Ponin proselytes doesn't really have the same ring to it as Ponin noobs, does it? No, not really. Anyways, so, uh, and when that person becomes a proselyte, you make them twice as much child of hell as yourselves. Okay, time out. <laughs> That's a pretty big shot across the bow right there, right? So not only are you shutting people off from heaven like their very presence and their very actions shut the kingdom of heaven in the faces of the people that they are trying to proselytize so their very efforts to teach the law the prophets um to these people to convert them to be part of the people of god which i find interesting because these scribes and pharisees didn't want anything to do with non-jews correct yeah I I was I had that same wondering. Uh, nothing profound, but so I suppose there are people that, I mean, just like there are today, that are uh, ethnically and genetically Jewish, part of that lineage of David, right? Yep. That are not uh, part of the kingdom of God based on their 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 beliefs, and so I I would assume that there are similar people in Israel that are, you know, are Jews by descendancy, but not by faith. Mm-hmm. So perhaps that's who they're trying to reach? Because I, I think it'd be foolish to assume that everyone who lived in Israel was a believer. Right. Yeah. No. Otherwise, the scribes and the Pharisees wouldn't really have a job other than teaching on, you know, at the temple. Yeah, and that was the only other thing I thought of was maybe they were focusing on Jewish people who weren't so stringent followers and yeah. they were basically them. converting them to being a Pharisee versus mm-hmm. just a Jew. Yeah. So. so it says you shut the kingdom of heaven in their faces for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who wouldn't enter to go in. So essentially his, his first, uh, you know, statement in this argument is that essentially all of your efforts are a complete waste because you are, you are not going into the kingdom of heaven yourselves and everything that you do is actively preventing the people that you are proselytizing from doing what you claim they should be doing. Mm-hmm. 
Which is a bold statement. Yeah. Well, and to paraphrase C.S. Lewis, it's damned nonsense. And not just using damned in terms of a cuss word, but in the definition of the words, you are damning yourself to hell. I mean, it's it's not just a waste of time. It's yeah, that's has fair eternal point. has eternal significance. Definitely. Which and, is, <laughs> well, I just wonder how this conversation would go today if we were to approach. Oh, say just to put a a, a a name to it, Westboro Baptist Church, here in Kansas, mm-hmm. and we were to go to them and say. Woe to you, Westboro Church, you hypocrites. You shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces because you neither neither enter it yourselves nor allow those that you are trying to bring into your little group to enter it as well. Yeah. How would they handle that? They'd probably sue us. So I might have to go back and edit this and beat their name out so we don't get sued. (laughs) Yeah, because... That's what they do. (laughs) That is what they do. That's what they do. Um... They have many lawyers. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even in a situation like that where it's obvious that they are misrepresenting God and the Bible and Jesus, it still feels like, oh, man, that's a really... I wouldn't feel comfortable telling them that, but maybe that's just because I don't want to seriously get sued. I don't want to. Yeah. Well. And I guess even as you say that, it just makes me go, like, do they even want the converts? Like, putting their name on that, to me, suddenly was, I was like, you know, they stand out there and they do that. But I'm like, what would they do if somebody came up to them and said, wow, I've I've seen the light. I want what you're, what it, that, I mean, I'm guessing they've never had that happen. Maybe well, they have. How do they get the people other? I mean, maybe someone doesn't walk up it's, and just... They're all related. That's how they have. Oh, I'm just saying. <laughs> so, anyway. Anyways. So. Hypocrites. Shutting the kingdom out. They're doomed from the beginning, essentially. I feel like that's what he's establishing here. Everything you do is doomed to fail as far as the kingdom of God is concerned. Which is why Jesus is here to bring the kingdom, to initiate that, and to show the world what the kingdom is actually about. Correct? Mm-hmm. So if we move, oh, we shouldn't skip over. You make him twice as much a child of hell as yourself. That's not the only like uh, insult that Jesus is going to throw their way, but that's a pretty good one. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I, I don't feel like they appreciated that part very much. But he's not wrong. No. So if we continue on, it says, Woe to you, blind guides. Who says, If anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his bound by his oath. I got I got so excited I skipped words there. This is insane. Whoever swears by the temple, the embodiment of God on the planet. Not a big deal, but whoever swears by the gold the temple makes by selling all the animals to sacrifice, oh, don't you dare. Oh, you rotten person, you scoundrel. We're going to treat you like you have leprosy or something. That, to me right there, is the absolute like essence of what is wrong with these people. And frankly, what is wrong with most of us when it comes to our 
my cough just totally threw off my train of thought. Oh, uh, it's what's wrong with them for sure. But I feel like it's what's wrong with us when we take offense or make things that aren't important, important. Like the whole, like we minor in the majors and majors in the minors type Mm -hmm. of deal. Like we, you know, you can talk bad about Jesus, but oh my gosh, don't you be a homosexual because God hates those people. And you're like, let's just flip that around for a second. And I feel like this is absolutely telling of what these people actually care about. Swear by the temple, not a big deal. Swear by the gold of the temple, now you have, you know, you've crossed the line. Mm -hmm. And that to me, and then it continues on even more. Uh, which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? Obviously the temple. If anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. The thing that we offer things to God on. The one thing on the entire planet where we make our sacrifices to God to show him, you know, his due place in our lives. Or, but if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, his oath is bound. So essentially the dead goat is more important to them than the God that the dead goat was sacrificed for. Mm-hmm. And if you fast forward that into New Testament times, what's more important? The dead guy on the cross? Mm. Yeah. Or the God that that dead guy was sacrificed for? And I, I feel like I said that wrong, because obviously Jesus is very important. So perhaps it is what is more important, the actual cross, the piece of wood, mm-hmm. or the sacrifice that was now I'm all, I'm all caught up in my brain now, Dave, well, I got really excited and I feel like I messed that up. You know, I, the cross has become a symbol throughout time. You know, think about the people that wear it on the, on their, around their neck. Well, I have so, thoughts about that. So I, I think that's kind of that same. I think that's where the parallel is. What was it? The cross or was it the person who was on the cross? <coughs> well, that's why. I, I, and does a cross even really look like a cross? I mean, who? Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know either. <laughs> but in my in my attempts to make some sort of Old Testament New Testament apparel, I feel like I just like word vomited there and didn't quite make the point I was making. But I think this will help make the point that I intended to make. Protestants have the cross. Catholics have the crucifix with Jesus Still on it. it. Right. And that, to me, is a big difference. I very much more... That's not even English. Oh, my gosh. The crucifix, to me, is more meaningful than the cross is. Because he didn't even have to raise from the dead. The work was done on the cross. Right. It is finished. The work was done on the cross. We focus on the resurrection. Mm Mm-hmm. We don't focus on. So that's why you don't like the crucifix. Help me. Oh no, work, no, no, I don't. No, 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 no. Okay, no, no, no I just. No. I'm. Help me. Help me understand where you're going with this because. When I was talking about the cross. Yeah. Well, I I just think it's become an empty symbol to a lot of people. Oh, for sure. I that that's really all I was saying was is we're putting emphasis on this, you know. The the cross, and I think it was the act, on the cross. Gotcha. Versus it was who died on the cross and why he died. And uh, again, I, you know, there's, it's, it's 
very in-depth discussion here, but I guess I do wholeheartedly believe that Christ on the cross is what matters. And I think there's a reason why he said it is finished on the cross. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I do believe that him raising from the dead clearly has significance, but ultimately the work was done on the cross. And so I guess there is that element of, I do agree that a crucifix is different than a cross. And I, when it's all said and done, I would really kind of prefer to have neither. Fair point. Because but what would we decorate our churches with? Dave? <laughs> because as Christians or as human, maybe I shouldn't say Christians, as human beings, we tend to focus on, we need that tangible piece. to Yeah. Represent. The symbol becomes more important than the act or meaning behind it, which I think is what the Pharisee or what Jesus yeah, is getting exactly, at here exactly. is it's not the symbol of the lamb or the goat or the cow or the dove on the altar. It is what the altar represents in mm-hmm and means that is more important, right? It is, it's not what the gold in the temple represents, which is just so messed up. It's what the temple represents, the very presence of God with his people, the place where he comes to commune with his people. That is important. And so, yeah. Whew. Well, now I'm confused because I was going to go get a crucifix necklace and now I don't know if I should, Dave. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's I think that's between the individual believer and and uh God. But um I don't yeah. I you know I don't think there's inherent worth in the in the symbols. Um I don't know if there's any correlation in this or not, but often as we're discussing I think of movies and things that happen in movies and uh <laughs> at this particular moment uh, I'm reminded of Indiana Jones mm-hmm. and the Lost Ark. Raiders of the Lost Raiders Ark. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Thank you. Yes, the Oakland Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. <laughs> the Raiders of the Lost Ark. And basically, they're 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 looking to choose um, the Holy Grail, which is the cup that Jesus drank from. And the first guy kind of chooses the fancy uh-huh. goblet of a king and the Knights Templar that's been alive for 500 years. And there's like, you chose poorly. And then Indy and his wisdom of being an archeologist chooses the cup of a carpenter because Jesus was a carpenter and the Knights Templar tells him that he chose wisely. And again, I, you know, as cheesy as that analogy is, yeah, uh, for the you know, kind of leading up to this, and even at this point, it's just that idea of Jesus is turning things upside down on its head of what they expect it to be. And again, to me, this is just about Jesus going, "Guys, you're not getting it. It's not about the gold. It's not about what's on the altar. It's about the temple. It's about who the God is that we serve." Um, and man, we still do it today. We still just have that, that list of do's and don'ts of what Christians are supposed to do and not supposed to do. And uh, clearly it's a symptom of fallen human nature. I mean, it's, it's, it's who we are since sin has entered into this, 
this world and we tend to just get focused on the wrong thing. So, well, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up. Um, sorry to cut you off. No, you're fine. Um, this, this idea that people, people want to be free and have freedom and all this stuff. But at the same time, we want this list of what, what I can and can't do. Mm-hmm. And and whatever your you know worldview or values are, there is inherently built into that a list of things that are right or wrong. And depending on your worldview, that list changes, right? But it's this it's this um, dichotomy might not be the right word of of we want to be free, we don't want anyone to be in charge of us. Yet we we kind of long for that structure at the same time of tell me how to be Mm -hmm. but let me choose who tells me how to Mm -hmm. be right you know because so many people i assume their biggest issue with christianity is that someone is telling them how to live their life it's not with you know oh god doesn't exist because science you know or this whole world is and there are certainly people that feel that way but i feel like a majority of people based on what I've read, what I've seen, conversations I've had, just in my experiences growing up, a majority of people aren't necessarily um, against the idea that God could exist. They're far more against the idea that some book is going to tell them how to live their life because that is restrictive, right? And they'd rather have someone else tell them how to live their life, like the you know current American culture that's like, sure, as long as you, you know, don't do anything really bad. Sure, you can sleep around. Sure, you can cheat on your taxes. Sure, like, it's all about just being comfortable and having a good, happy life. And as long as you do what you want to do to be happy, then it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a far more lax set of rules, but there are still rules and rights and wrongs, right? Like, you still don't kill people. Right. It's, somehow, that's still not an okay thing to do. I'm just waiting for that to be like, well, Constitution says it's okay to kill people. Like, I'm just waiting for that day to happen. Well, I, you know, I think you're seeing it on a small, small, I don't know, small. You're seeing it on, on, on a certain yeah, level. Abortion is legal. With abortion. Yeah. That's because fair. That's a good point. That's a good point. I got a, I, uh, Mother Teresa, it's a travesty that, you know, someone would take a human life so they can live as they want. Um. I think suicide is becoming much more of a, you don't have a right to tell this person that they can't kill themselves. And I think you're going to start seeing legalized assisted suicide to where somebody helping somebody with suicide won't be uh, charged with it. Um, yeah, that's, I, that I, one's I, messy. I, I, I do think life, the sake, uh, the sanctity of life mm-hmm. is not, I think it's diminished in our in our culture, and I think there is this idea of mercy killings and abortion and things like that are creeping in. Yeah, I had a um, I read a tweet the other day. We're gonna park on abortion for a while and lose all of our listeners. <laughs> um, I read a tweet the other day, and I'm I'm not gonna do it justice, so I'm I'm not judging this person because my my recollection of it is not perfect but essentially um it was retweeted by someone who i respect who i know is not a christian 
I still respect him. He's a very smart man. But he is very much for the if you want to be um if you were if you were born a, a man and want to be a woman, or if you're born a woman and want to be a man, totally fine. If you're homosexual, totally fine. Like whatever you need to do to be who you are, totally cool. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it's no one should judge you for it. You shouldn't be made less than like all for equality in every single way. Which to a certain extent, okay. Um, I think we we kind of lose some stuff um, along the way there. But he retweeted this because he's all about just give everyone equal footing, regardless of what their, you know, life choices are, as long as they're not harming somebody else. Which to me kind of seems to be the ethos of this current culture we live in. As long as you're not offending or hurting other people, just do you. And that's totally fine. Unless, of course, you're a Christian because Christians hate homosexuals and think the world is still flat. <laughs> and um, this tweet was essentially against an abortion law in a state that said you had to, I think it was legal before six weeks of um, gestation or pregnancy, but after six weeks it was illegal. And the woman who this guy retweeted was saying how ridiculous six weeks was because who knows that they're pregnant after six weeks. And because pregnancy starts two weeks before because they go back to your late, your, your previous uh, menstruation, which is always two weeks before you get pregnant based on when you ovulate. So really you only have four weeks and then, okay, so you're going to miss a period. Apparently that's, not uncommon for a woman to either miss it or just be very light and not notice it. And the only person that's going to check that they're pregnant in the first four weeks is someone that wants to be pregnant. Who is actively like, okay, we just had sex. Let me make sure I'm pregnant because they're trying to have a baby. And so she's saying that, that those are the people that want to have the baby or the people that are going to actively check within that four week time period of, did it take? And the people that don't want to have kids that are more likely to have an abortion are the ones that aren't going to be checking regularly because they don't want kids. They're not trying to get pregnant. And so her whole point is this whole six-week time frame is ridiculous because then someone who doesn't want to get pregnant and is pregnant has to, can no longer legally end the pregnancy. And I say end the pregnancy to be generous. I don't say kill the baby because I know some people don't think that it's an actual baby. I happen to think you're terribly wrong. I definitely think it's a baby, and I think it's a... Um, I think it's a wrong thing to do. And, you know, so my initial response to this lady was, well, if you don't want to get pregnant, then keep your freaking pants on. It is not that hard to keep your pants on. But then some people, most people will say, I'm an adult. It's my right to, you know, we're sexual beings. It's my right to exercise, uh, you know, my sexual desire with a person. That's fine. And so that's where I, I come into this whole abortion thing is like, it's not even necessarily like, like our starting premises are so different. It's not, it's, it's not even just about the sanctity of life. It's about the purpose of sex. It's about the spiritual nature of sex, whether it exists or not. It's, it is about so much more than is an abortion murder. Like that's a huge concept that we should talk about that, but it starts way before that. It starts way before the woman becomes pregnant starts way before that woman and that man have sex. Like it is about our fundamental understanding of what it means to be human. Mm -hmm. 
Like that's where the discussion on abortion starts. And it's so much caught up on the let's go picket the pregnancy center where these women are making this terribly difficult decision. I mean, I'm going to give every woman who's ever had an abortion an amazing amount of grace because I don't know what that's like. I don't know what that decision costs. I don't know your thought process. I don't want to judge you for doing it because I don't know the situation. And I don't want to condemn you for doing it because guess what? Jesus wouldn't. But I feel like, and it's just like, you know, the church with homosexuality is we're focusing on the end product or the end result that we deem to be bad. And we're not dealing with all of the things that lead up to that situation. Nor are we dealing with the individual that's involved. No, it's just a blanket. This is wrong. And when you tell someone that what they're doing is wrong and what they're doing is an incredibly difficult, you know, emotionally traumatizing thing to do is to go like, uh, who are they going to go to for, for um, comfort and grief? The people that are telling them they're a horrible person for just killing their baby. The people that are saying, you know what? It's fine. I know who I would go to. I'd flash those people, the bird on the way out. Yeah. And then go to the people that are saying, you know what? Come over here. We got you. Yeah. It's so my point in all of that, whether, whether you agree with me or disagree with me, which is fine. Let us know is that there is so much more to those situations than the decision to have an abortion. Like there are 95 things leading up to that, that we need to be more worried about. Cause if we worry about those things and talk about those things and engage with people on those things, then maybe that never, we never get to the point where that's an issue. And to our, I mean, I don't know if you've said this on air or not, um, but the discussion of like voting for a Republican president because they're pro-life and not pro-choice. Roe versus Wade has been around since 1973, 73, 74, and it's never been repealed. No, it's not ever going to be. And so the issue shouldn't be about legalizing or. Uh, making it illegal. It should be far more focused on what makes humans act. You know, and that's, uh, am I making any sense? Like we're focusing on the end problem. We're not dealing with any of the circumstances or decisions or symptoms that would lead to a potential situation like that. Yeah. Cause yeah. I mean, it's just like, it's endless because if Christians are truly concerned about those things, if you're truly pro-life and you're concerned about abortion, it's not about legislating whether it's legal or not. It's about being involved in the lives of people because that's, because that's what Jesus did. He was involved in the lives of people. And so, um, you know, if you are truly concerned about uh, abortion, and that is a major issue for you, I would say then find a way for that to have practical application in your life. And I think on one end of the spectrum, that means adoption, being foster parents, doing something like that. On the other end of the spectrum, it's as I say the word simple as giving money to organizations that help unwed mothers. And then there's an infinite number of things between those two spectrums that you can do. And I believe truly one of those things is just discipleship, just telling people that Jesus loves them and, and life on life. And, um, you know, it just, 
<sighs> I, 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 one of my things is, is I just get, uh, I get exhausted with Christians wanting government <laughs> to, to solve be, all the problems. To be the answer to problems. Did you not read the Old Testament? Probably not. But if you do, <laughs> you would know that doesn't solve the problem. No. And Jesus never aspired. And again, even when I say that, I'm not saying Christians don't run for office. I'm not saying Christians don't be involved in politics. No, but a Christian president is going to solve our problems. Uh-uh. Neither is a nope. Christian Senate or nope. anything like that. How's it, it, Christian judges, like it... It's not going to fix what's wrong. Nope. I, you know, I, I truly do. I, I, I think George W. Bush has a desire. Uh, he, he acknowledges God, and I, I think he is somebody that, that uh, pursues that relationship. George W. Bush. Many flawed presidency, many flaws in his presidency. You know, I, it's just we're human beings. I mean, King David. You know, man after God's own heart, who is the leader of the Hebrew nation, was there because of integrity that he showed. He stumbled and fell. And so, yeah, I I, I just, please don't, <laughs> I don't want to preach. Personally, I'm just convicted of people are not the answer. Christians aren't the answer. Christ is the answer. Uh, and yeah, I, I just spend some time with life on life. Think about where you, it is that you, um, spend your money, where your resources go. Um, maybe I'll even back that up one. How much time do you spend praying just for unwed mothers? How much do you spend time praying for kids that are already in the foster care system? Uh, I don't remember the exact fam, the exact number, but there's hundreds. It's staggering. In, there's hundreds in Kansas alone of of kids that need to be oh, placed in foster thousands. care. Yeah, I mean, in in a place like Kansas, where outside of Johnson County, the density of people is very low. Yeah, you've got a, you know, you've got some spikes in Topeka and Wichita, but outside of that, you've got you know Kansas City, Topeka, and Wichita, and then outside of that, it's a very low density of people. And even in a place like this there are still many, many, many kids mm -hmm. that are wards of the state. Yep. Which, if you know anyone who has been in the foster care system, regardless of, you know, Kansas or any other state, you'll, you'll know from their stories and their experience, it is not a way to grow up. Yeah, and, and and even in that, if you know somebody that does foster care, help them help out. Help them out. Babysit I mean, for them financially. Yeah, bake them meals. Help them tutor the kids. Yeah, there's just so 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 many. Uh, there is a uh, thing called Care Portal. Yes, thank you for talking about that. Care so, Portal is awesome. So there's, and I don't know what the website is, but Care Portal. It'll every be in the show notes. Every church doing a little. Um, basically, they kind of put out, we have a need for this. Uh, and then there's an opportunity to help uh, fill that need. And so it could be, we need diapers, we need cribs, whatever it is. And I, I believe you sign up for an email. 
Yeah, and they just send it out, and if you can help, you respond, and if you can't, you just let it go. Yeah, and it, it's I mean it is simple as that. And there's there's a big push between a lot of churches here in the Kansas City area uh, over the summer with this with um, you know bringing to light the foster care system and and situation and reality and adoption and um, you know ba- based on what I know about Dave, I know that that's something that's important to you because you did adopt. Mm-hmm. A child, your son, and um, yeah. So there was a lot of churches in Kansas City, um, and I know probably more nationwide that I'm unaware of. But this care portal, um, we'll have a link in the show notes. If you were at all um, interested in learning more about what foster care and adoption looks like, uh, or just even helping other people to to give these children um, what they need then check out the care portal link in the show notes because you'll be able to see uh, very easily how you can meet needs without having to, you know, fly around the world to go on a mission trip. There are people in your local community most likely that could use your help. Yeah, it is careportal.org. I don't know the total um, region that this affects, but there are 400 an 89 open request right now, right now. And again, you know, some of the requests I'm looking for right now are Oklahoma city, um, places in Missouri, uh, Texas. Um, there is an opportunity (laughs) to go and do something, uh, to meet some needs in a very, uh, tangible way. Um, and yeah, it really, it, it, uh, there's needs up to $5,000. And so, um, you know, I know we all don't have $5,000 of disposable income to give to something like that, but, uh, it could be something that you rally a small group around to fund, or you rally your church around to go fund, uh, because if there's 489 open requests, uh, clearly there's a huge, huge, huge need. So some of these things don't even apparently cost money. They're just looking for used kids' clothes. Yeah. Anybody that's had a kid has used kids' clothes. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> all my right, my kid's three weeks old, and I already have used kids' clothes. <laughs> so, I'll get off my soapbox. No, I think that's a really good spot to um, to call call it an end for this week, and we will get back to um, our passage here: the woes to the Pharisees. Next week, we will continue to rain on their parade. Bye. Bye.